guys are seated. If you'll pray this with me and then we will read from Revelation chapter 13. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Blessed are the readers, hearers, and keepers of this word. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all authority of the first beast in its presence. It makes the earth and its inhabitants worship worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to take or make an image for the beast that it was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also it, caused all, uh, also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its names. This calls for wisdom. Let, no one, let one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is 666. You guys may be seated. All right. This, this text here uh, today has been the second most asked about question. When somebody finds out that I am preaching Revelation, they say, they say something along the lines of, what do you think it, the mark of the beast is? It's, it's a curious question. It's been one that's been around my whole life. I've heard over and over people ask what it is. You know, do, do you think it's this? Do you think it's that? Or lately it's like, do you think it could be the COVID vaccine? And uh, just for your information, no, I do not think it's the COVID vaccine. At least, but I did get the COVID vaccine this week. So it, I don't know. You, you don't know. Uh, if I did, uh, if, if it is, then... I don't know. What do you do when you get the COVID vaccine the same week you're preaching on 666? Like it's the mark of the beast. You get sciatica. Yeah, you get real bad pain in your back, I guess. But um, and I the thing is, is that when people ask this question, I don't I don't think it's silly. I don't like condemn the people. I think I like I may like walk away and do some teasing or whatever. But that's just me and my own com- uncomfortableness, not really knowing. But it, it's got me thinking. Um, you know, historically, what else has been called the mark of the beast? What else have, have people attributed to 666 and where has it been? Because there have been plenty of things that have been labeled as such. And many folks are certain this is the mark of the beast. And, and they're, they're, people are quick to jump on board um, with what the latest formula of the mark of the beast is. And, and it causes great fear amongst those. But we can, this morning we can play a little game. We can see like um, Mark of the Beast Bingo or something like that we can play here to see who has the, the mark or not. Don't raise your right hand if you have it. Raise just your left hand. 
But um, but uh, raise your hand if you have a social security number. There we go. Okay, this is not good. This is not good. Okay, what about a credit card? Yeah. No, you don't have a credit card. You don't have a credit card. Yeah. Who went through, uh, in the last few weeks, who's gone through a self-checkout line and scanned their items with a barcode? Yeah, okay, so what about, um, who has anything in their house with a microchip or some microchip processor? All of us, right? We probably all have them in our hands right now or on our, on our persons or something like that. And if you, if you have the COVID vaccine, all of these, all of these things, some of you guys got bingo for sure. Like you just got straight across uh, real quick. Um, but all of these have been seen by different people at different times as marks of Mark of the Beast. I remember when I was a kid, the big thing was barcodes. My dad even, I remember my dad looking at the back of the cereal box and going, see these lines here? It's 666. And I'm like, I have no clue where you get this from. But he's like, yes, it's the mark of the beast. And so this text, it's interesting because this text is in the middle of a story that is meant to give us as Christians hope. And, and it's supposed to give us hope and strength and faith and it, it it's supposed to allow us to in, endure but the mark of the beast has caused so much fear in the people that ask this question over the years that i'm afraid that if we focus on the mark of the beast then we will miss the point um there's this idea that we are supposed to as christians keep our eye out for this sort of thing like watch out Watch out for this. That it, in, in, in doing this, as we keep our eye out for this sort of thing, we take our eyes off of Jesus. And when we take our eyes off of Jesus, it leads us into fear. So when we look at this mark of the beast, and when we really start to think about it and dive into it, it's no wonder that it causes a lot of fear. Like, this is a scary scene that happens. And I think the beginning of verse 18 where it says this, it says, this calls for wisdom. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. Um, we all want to be wise, right? We all want to be seen as wise. We don't want to, we want to live as wise, not as unwise. None of us wants to be the fool or play the fool. And, and oftentimes, if we think that we are wise, wise enough, then we can crack the code or solve the mystery. Or maybe sometimes we even think that like we have a special relationship with God if we understand something that others don't. And when that happens, and when we stand in our own knowledge or our own wisdom, this typically leads to lording it over people. This is why you have people that when they crack the code, they, they, they tell people, look, I figured it out. This is what it means. This is where it is. And that is called pride. And pride is a way bigger deal than admitting you don't know something. And I think because of this desire for us not to be foolish, I don't want to be foolish either. I want to understand. I want to know what it is that we're going to go through at the end times. But I think oftentimes we kind of dive into this and we kind of just shift our focus away from Christ and onto something that it shouldn't be. And I find it interesting and maybe even a little bit sad when we misplace our focus in this way. When we sin, and sin is simply missing the mark, missing the mark of perfection, 
when we, I feel sad when we sin in our attempt to avoid sin. It's an interesting thing that, that happens when, this, when we do this. I do believe the question about end times and about 666 and the Antichrist are honest and good questions. Like, what do we do? Because we don't want to be Antichrist, right? We don't want to worship something that's not of Christ. I think they're good questions. I find that they're, they're uh, generally speaking, most people have really good intentions. And there's like some people who are very pure and upright trying to figure these things out and figure out um, that uh, the mysteries that are in the gospel. But I also believe that there are a lot of false teachers, false intellectuals, false preachers who use fear, fear to manipulate people instead of uh, motivate them with love and kindness from the grace of Jesus. I mean, how many of us uh, like have been scared into heaven with the thought of hell? And, and especially in, in American Christianity that I've, I've seen and I've read about, like hell is used to just scare people when we should be portraying the love of God. And I think when this happens, when we lead with fear, I believe this to be a perversion of the gospel. I believe us to be sinning in, in that. The good news is good news, right? That's the name. The gospel means good news. And I know you can't have good news without bad news, but God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. That is why Jesus came is for the good news because of his love. Jesus came to show the extent of his love to rescue us from our great and seemingly powerful enemy of Satan, sin, and death. And if we focus on hell all the time, or we focus on the scary parts of the end time, if we focus on 666 and beasts and dragons, our focus is on the wrong thing. And I believe it, you know, it can be with good intentions, but why use fear as a motivator when love is so much more powerful than fear? That's a question I would like to ask a lot of evangelists, to be honest. God loves this world. He wants us all to be saved. Scripture is clear on that point. He wants humanity to be saved. And, and it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. He is the one who changes hearts and gives us new names and gives us new lives and adopts us as his own. And we have all these wonderful gifts that we can find in and through Christ. And yet when we have this text, we can be scared of the beast, right? This is a scary scene. We don't know how it's going to unfold. Look, I, I remember growing up and people would say, you know, if someone burst in here right now and they held an Uzi to you because Uzis in the 80s were the, like the biggest guns, right? They're the baddest. If they held an Uzi, would you renounce Christ? And the answer you were supposed to give at church camp was no. But it was all fear and fear. Would you do this? And look, the truth is, is that if that happened, I would say no. And I've thought about this question. But so we can be scared at a point like I don't want to go through that ever. And that we, but we can't be so scared um, that we don't point to Jesus. I think about this text here. I don't want to be able to not buy something because we have to buy everything to survive these days. Um, I don't want to be able to have to not buy something unless I worship Satan. 
I don't want to, and I honestly, like, I, I feel like sometimes when 666 is mentioned, like, it's almost like people are scared that they won't be able to see it. They won't be able to, to discern it and that someone's going to kind of sneak attack them and stamp 666 on their forehead or their arm. And they don't want that. And then all of a sudden they're going to be worshiping the beast when they want to worship Jesus. I'm not sure that this is how it works. I don't, I don't think that, uh, but to be scared of that is okay as long as we lay that down at the foot of Jesus. We can see in these texts that there is, evil is powerful in this world, but never more powerful than God. God's love will conquer all the evil that is in this world, that has ever existed from the beginning until the end. And the, the good news is that, um, and it'll conquer all bad news because it is good news. And the good news is, is, that, is that God wins and his people will dwell with him forever. That is the whole story here. It's not just this one part about the 666. The full story shows us God on the throne. And Revelation and these three beasts that have been mentioned here are honestly a perversion of the Trinity. They claim to be God. We, we claim that God is three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We can't totally, under, we can't totally comprehend it, but we believe it by faith. And this is one of the great and wonderful mysteries, and it's beautiful to think about. And this text shows that the enemy, who knows this as well, that we believe this, tries to make a false version of what God does just in God's essence, who God is. This is what the beast does. He copies the good things of God, but since the beast is not good like God, the beast does it in a way that distorts and perverts the goodness of God. And when I say perverts, I mean the beast uses unacceptable practices that promote unhealth to humanity. Unacceptable practices to those who God loved and created. Unacceptable practices to humanity and unacceptable uh, unacceptable practices to the earth and the way that the earth is treated as well. We can see that the, the beast attempts some sort of trinity with a dragon and two beasts. And this is not like God. But I can imagine the beast claiming to be God to further deceive people. Look, look how powerful I am. Look, I'm ruling this world. Trying to show that he is the one with all the power that we should fear trying to show up God even though the beast knows that he is already defeated. We know the story given here and we can see that the beast is already defeated and he's trying to take everyone and everything down with him. We also see that the beast here perverted health and healing. Scripture tells us that by the stripes that Jesus suffered, we are made heal and made whole. This is this is for our body as well as our soul. And here, the beast is mocking that healing itself and making it so that everyone can see. To be healed and whole is different than putting a mask on it. It's different than putting on a band-aid. It's different than putting on a show like you're, you're healed somehow. In God's kingdom, there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more death. All will be made whole 
by the blood of Jesus. This kingdom of the beast is a mock version of that. Again, trying to appear healthy, all the while living and creating destruction. The beast also attempts to pervert breath. I find this interesting because in the Psalms we talked about breath a lot. And in Revelations we talked about it a few times. It pretends to offer life when all it does is cause death. Breath is used over and over again in Scripture to remind us of the life that God has given us. This breath is given here in this, this text to idols and it allows them to speak. There is no life in idolatry or idols. There is no life that is giving that will last forever except for what Jesus gives. The true breath comes from Jesus, but again, our enemy wants to pervert this breath. The beast can try to do this, but it's not real and it's not lasting. And then I would say this, the beast is, always, is also trying to pervert grace by demanding. This is what many people do with grace as well. Many religious folks and what we need to be cautious of in our own selves because grace is free, unmerited favor. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it, right? And yet... Perverting grace is when we try to demand it. When they, we try to make people be a certain way because this is our idea of what they should look like. There's strong language used to persuade people to fall in line with um, certain Christian agendas at times. And this is not grace. This is not grace. Karma is a beautiful concept to a certain extent where you reap what you sow. I've heard, I've, I've not heard karma preached by name in church, but I've heard it preached by practice. Reap and sow. Well, you get what you deserve. And people treat it that way as well. That's a perversion of grace. That is not grace. Grace is you don't deserve it, but you get it anyway. I love you. There is a life-changing element and we are encouraged to go and sin no more that happens in grace. But this is not forced on us by Jesus like we're some sort of robots. He wants us to change. And he wants us to change so that we might have and receive a full and a good life with him. And our sin keeps us from living that full and good life. So Jesus... Um, wants us to get rid of our sin for that reason so that we can have this life to the full. And yet, Jesus died for us even while we were sinners. The grace of God sees all the wrongs that we do and says, I love you anyway. That is not what a perverted version of grace does. It looks at what you do wrong and it goes, well, when are you going to change? God's grace wants to work in us all the time if we let it. And as we let it, it keeps changing us over and over and over. It's not forced upon us. It is expected of us because that's what grace has good expectations for us. But it's not demanded on us to receive love. And this beast and perverts that. In this scripture, the beast demands love and worship. It is forced. It's not voluntary. There's much fear around what this 
mark will be, and it's demanded of those living at the time. And if we are to have to renounce Jesus to take up the mantle of the beast, then that is an evil thing. And as we see in Scripture, we don't have to fear this. The truth is, is if it says, renounce Jesus or you can never buy anything again. Well, if I don't buy anything again, I'm going to start, right? Well, we know that since death doesn't defeat Jesus, it won't defeat us either. So we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear Satan. We can choose death over the false worship of a false, false God. God's grace would be in that moment sufficient for us like it's been sufficient for so many persecuted Christians that have come before us and suffered unimaginable things. God's grace would be sufficient for us in those moments as it's been for so many that have come before us. And we know that if we die, we will rise again with Christ. Amen? And we will rise again with Him. All that this beast is doing is to make us fear. And God says to us over and over and over again, fear not. And that is the point of this story that's being told. We don't need to fear the end times. We don't need to fear the beast. We don't need to fear the impending doom because God will be with us because he has been with us and he's with us now. We don't have to fear what we can't control. We get to keep our eyes on Jesus and not divert them to the beast and its ways, not to get freaked out when we, when we go to the grocery store and the total is 666, 666. You don't need to buy something new or take something off. It's okay. It is scary. The beast is scary. We can admit this. The beast is scary. His destruction is scary. And as we admit it, we can say, I don't want to go through it. I don't. And that's perfectly fine. But we also get to know that if we were to go through it, that we can trust God perfectly. We can look to Jesus perfectly and in all things. We can trust, know, believe, and have faith in the fact that God is still God. His signs and His ways are not counterfeit like the beast's ways. And as Christian, we get to resist these three beasts. We get to resist Satan, sin, and death. We get to resist fear and the temptation to fear. All the mark of the beast talk, all the wondering about the 666, honestly, it's fun at times, but we can't let it detract from Jesus. And this may, as this text calls for wisdom, may this be wisdom. Wisdom would say, read the rest of the story. If we did that, which we will in Sundays to come, we will see just how complete the victory of God is. And if this calls for wisdom and we were being wise, we would take into account what we've already read in this text. We've already seen that the beast is defeated. We've already seen that the people of God are there, are with him. So let us walk as wise and not unwise. Let us walk in the full story of the good news of Jesus, not just get hung up on the scary parts or the bad parts. We've already seen that the beast is defeated and we can already see that we can trust God and that God is with us and that no matter the circumstances that we may find ourselves in, that God loves us, 
He cares about us, and he's always extending to us. If we are wise, we are going to look to the broken body and shed blood of Jesus and know that it is stronger than any dragon or beast or signs or marks. That Jesus' broken body and his shed blood is not a perversion, but a provision of grace. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are perfect in all their ways. Amen. And we can find healing and health in the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. So let us set aside foolishness. And Paul would remind us in 2 Timothy, he says, For time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, be sober-minded, enduring suffering, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And as a reminder from last week, Revelation 3.10, it says, Here is a call for endurance and faith of the saints. Let our faith be renewed and strengthened by God's love and not by our own fears. Jesus, may this be so. In Jesus' name, amen.